Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 78, Wither God and Viruses. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from the Power of Change Worldwide Headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. It is my great privilege to welcome back my good friend, Jesse Fury, to the Shed Quarters. Good to have you here today, oh, brother. It's, it's good to be back. What have you been, about a month, I guess? Yeah. Uh, longer than usual. I know. Uh, my wife, Casey, got really, really strong on the quarantine, even though we are properly social distanced. We're not we're hugging. So I can't even see you. There's no dap been given. <laughs> You know, we're uh, not chest bumping. Right. We did a little elbow. Yeah. <laughs> I have, but don't worry, I've got the sweatshirt on. So we weren't able to be together. And, um, and hey, you've launched a, a new podcast, huh? I've been busy, bro. Been busy. Yeah, yeah. Started a new podcast. I drew my inspiration from my, um, my uh, uh, what, what's, the, uh, what, what's the karate master? You're my karate master. Mr. You're my Mr. Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> And uh, started the Hammer and the Quill, a Bonhoeffer House podcast where we're, it's more of an interview-based podcast uh, where we're just interviewing people that are in our family of churches and friends, friend network, about their vocation, about how they live out their calling uh, in, 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 uh, in ways that we think are good, true, and beautiful. So it's been good. It's awesome. been good. We had, uh, we've, we've had some good guests on so far. We've had Charles Wilson, church planner in Roanoke on. We had Pete Shem on, one of our co-founders of the Bonhoeffer House and the dean, Dean Pete Shim, the dean, dean, and then we had uh, we had Karen Swallow Pryor on, uh, talking about reading and teaching and writing. It's been good, awesome. Been good. And, and man, we got you on <laughs> coming up. We I got think. you yeah. on coming up next one. Well, it's been fun in this time of um, pandemic. There's so many. I don't want to talk about all the negatives of what's happening in the world because there are many. Right there are serious. Um, you know, our friends in New Jersey are facing it all. The, yeah. the loss of loss of life, loss of uh, income, loss of uh, normalcy. Um, but there's been a few things that have been good, and that's been connecting with friends through technology and through podcasts. And, uh, man, it's an honor to be on your new show here coming up soon. And then uh, was on a church in New Jersey Friday and then a church in Fort Worth yesterday with those folks at the Paradox Church. Shout out to them and shout out to Emergence Church. If you're new listeners to the underground because of that, welcome. We are glad to have you. Well, we've been traveling in some interesting ground where the Lord had this uh, podcast. Uh, we were in a kind of mini series on worldview and life That's foundations, right. right? We looked at an article from the Atlantic, which looked at, hey, that uh, the the spin class or the the uh, CrossFit box is the, the new congregation, yeah, the kind of secular congregation, yeah, the secular right. religion. Politics yeah. is our religion, and putting your phone down is the Sabbath. And we we're looking at, hey, foundational worldview of life is that sufficient? And my my goodness, we had no idea. Uh, no one had any idea that we were heading towards a global pandemic when all those foundations, um, including going to church um, in person, have been kind of stripped away from yeah. our society. And so uh, when we see certain ways of life, you have to question, is it sufficient to sustain us? And so we looked at how does coronavirus fit into this worldview kind of thing. And then I've been jumping in while... Yeah, dude, you, you pivoted hard, man. You've been, <laughs> yeah. you've been putting out so much good stuff, man. Yeah, we had some fun. Had with your Kate. family on. Yeah. You've, had, you've had some... Uh, some some Professional rough, strength and conditioning Professional people. strong guys on. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah, we're doing a little survival guy. And just, you got another professional strong guy on today. That's right. Who can do at least thirteen push-ups on on command? If you give me an hour, no. Well, <laughs> if you give me an hour, I can do thirty. 
There was a 10 push-up <laughs> challenge going around social media, and I was like, 10 push-ups? What is it, 10 a day? Who or? can't do 10 push-ups? <laughs> it's like, mate, put, 100, bro, put bro. 100 out there. People or something. can't do yeah. 10 push-ups. I know. Apparently, you can if you can do 100 push-ups, you can get cheap life insurance. So work on your push-ups, friends. Well, Jesse, we're, we're, we're continuing a little bit. Um, I feel a little bit coronavirused out personally on the podcast, but it's uh, – one of the things that is something that arose in me, and I sent it into uh, you guys to answer on on the roundtable, which you didn't answer. Which one was uh, it? Which um, one was it? Why wh- are, oh, the are viruses. viruses part yeah. of God's good creation or part of the curse? I thought right? we did. We didn't did answer, you answer that. You did you answer? I, I think we just maybe I briefly it. answered it. Well, it's a hard question, right? And so that's why uh, that's probably why we didn't answer it. It's <laughs> there are there are some hard ones that we just say yeah. that's too hard. Yeah, ask Holly the answer to that. Um. So today we're going to talk about God and viruses. Whither God? Where Where is God with viruses, pandemics? Uh, what about the harshness of nature? Um, it's not uncommon if you um, maybe if you Googled God and the tarantula wasp or something. There are arguments made against the existence of God from what's a, what's from the, a tarantula. Wasp? A tarantula wasp is this uh, wasp that like stings a a tarantula and kind of eats it while it's living. Um, it kind of keeps it alive so it can consume it. Um, there's organisms, I forget, that eat crabs the same way. It keeps the crab alive and kind of in a terrible state, but why it just consumes it from the inside out. It's kind of these uh, horror shows from nature uh, that people want to bring out. How could a good benevolent God exist, right, if there's these horror shows in nature? I mean, after all, we are seeing the consequences of viruses um, running roughshod over yeah. over the planet and wither God, right, in that. Where's God now? Sometimes that question is asked with a sense of um, stridency against God. You know, if somebody has an axe to grind, in times of crisis, people are going to grind those axes. Um, and other times it's those who actually believe and trust in God who want to ask sincere questions yeah. about what God, how long, and I've seen lots of friends around the country looking at the book of Habakkuk in the in the Old Testament because there's this great calamity and crisis going on, a people crying out, "No, oh, Lord, what's what the heck is going on, man? Uh, how long do I have to see violence and oppression, all this stuff, um, and you not act?" And so they, there's a question asking to God that has a clenched fist, right? Yeah, I, you know, angry, hate God, and then right. there's an open hand, so to speak, maybe as to the heavens, as it were, God, God, how long? What's going on? Yeah. And so. Um, when we see this world, right, how we see created reality, do we see it uh, through the eye with the conscience, through the through the scriptures or through God's revelation, or do we see it just through our own opinions? How do we see this present world becomes very important? Now, we had talked about uh, in our little mini-series on worldview, looking at meaning, right? Is there any higher meaning to any of this? Um, well, the answer from a secular view is no, right? There's no purpose to the universe beyond what we may ascribe to it or give to it. Is there any meaning in coronavirus? Well, only what we give to it. Um, the, the hard thing, and, and I grew up kind of till I was 20 years old with a more secularized worldview. And Jesse, for me, the, the question of death was weird, right? Death in a kind of secular view of life should be like Tuesday, right? It's like right. happens Every day, Every all day. over the earth, yes. for yeah. all manner of reasons, it'll, ha- it'll happen to you. Happen to everyone you you know. It's just it's just it's just part of life. It should be just the most normal passing of things. But we see, at least in the human species, we see uh, funerals, we see burials, we see um, looking at death as it's n- a- uh, unnatural. 
even even going through this right. pandemic, you know, we're here to save life, right? It's kind of this quixotic uh, adventure that we're going to save everybody, but at the same time, we're going to lose everybody, and we're almost in denial about it. Um, it should be the most expected, easiest thing to go through, but it's tragic, heart-wrenching, life-altering when a, when a human passes from planet Earth. And so for me, in a secular world, it's like, man, why is death seems so much of an enemy yeah. of life. Didn't really fit for me. Um, viruses, right? Terrible. Um, seems to be necessary. Like one of the interesting studies in microscopic organism life, that viruses are very necessary to life on planet Earth as we know it today. Um, they, in fact, one of their main purposes is like there's like this little video game going on where bacteria, which multiplies rapidly and exponentially, grow but the reason they're kept in check is because viruses kind of destroy them and then release kind of helpful organic things into the world that other small things eat that all, all up the food chain See, so. this, this is why i didn't answer that question you, you, you asked because i knew you would know you were trying to stump the chump <laughs> no I'm, i was actually pre-research on some of this actually uh i wasn't trying to stump the chump i was trying to engage and go forward with you know, uh, as a chump yeah, you know uh what you're what you're mentioning about uh about the the kind of world the godless worldview, the the natural worldview, and yet the um, I've been thinking about that a lot. The, the, the fact that we still feel like like uh, death is unnatural, That's uh, right. and and uh, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And uh, thinking a lot about how the the coronavirus and this pandemic has really forced us to be confronted with our project is we want to live forever. Yeah. Uh and, and and there's been so much uh hope put into um whatever whatever wherever wherever we place our hope maybe it's the the white coat scientists that are coming up with solutions or maybe it's the um uploading into the uh into the <laughs> the Ray Kurzweil you're going right. to upload your ghost into the machine into the machine but yeah. it, whatever it is cryogenics it, keep it, you alive long right, enough right yeah. it, wherever it, whatever it is it comes from that drive of this well, this shouldn't end yeah, it's not, you know, there, there's something, but whereas in reality, it should be the most natural thing in the world. That's right. It's just the circle of life. It's yeah. Lion it's like King. sing the song, yeah. sing Lion King at your grandmother's funeral. No, nobody does that. Right. We, we, we miss her. There's loss. There's a sense that they do still exist or should still exist. Um, and, and I had a hard time making sense of that from like mm. this unnaturalistic secular view of life just didn't give me enough resources. And so, but as, but as a follower of Jesus now, we've been a Christian for quite some time. Um, how do we see viruses? It's interesting that there is uh, a little bit of a difference of opinion even uh, on things like, you know, bacterial disease, um, viruses, now, I'm going to give a couple options here. Um, one is more uh, probably constant and ancient, and one is more kind of uh, neo-scientific, but held by Christians. The first represented by the Swiss theologian, the late Swiss theologian, I believe, died in the late 1960s, a man named Karl Barth. Um, I think you say his name spelled Barth, but I think you just say Barth in the Swiss German. But anyway, he, he wrote this in 1966, close to the end of his life. And this was in an article that was in Christianity Today in March, uh, talking about coronaviruses, are they evil? And Barth is quoted to say, somewhere within me lives a bacillus with the name Proteus mirabilis, that's a bacterium, which has an inclination to enter my kidneys which would mean my finish, right? We kill him. Uh, I'm certain that this monstrosity does not belong to God's good creation. 
but rather has come as a result of the fall or the brokenness of sin and, and death. It has in common with sin and with the demons also that it simply can't be done away with, but can only be just despised, combated, and suppressed. Mm-hmm. That was and is still the task of doctors, besides whom also good nurses have worked on me day and night. Apart from this, however, I'm getting along better, often extraordinarily well. The main thing is the knowledge of God makes no mistakes and that the Proteus Mirabilis has no chance against him. So one thing in that quote that Bart is clear about is that he says this is not part of God's good creation, not part of God's good intention. This microscopic thing, bacteria in this case, is killing him or could kill him. Um, now that's option A, that it's just evil. Um, and, and Reed, would you say that's the, is that, is that the, the traditional historic Christian view? Well, I think that's the, probably the way that I would have conceived of things yes, or, or am yes. conceiving of things. I think disease, death, right. you know, and, and their, uh, the, the things that cause them. We obviously, uh, human knowledge, right, as we've been around longer and longer, we share, we learn, we grow, uh, and knowledge of God's creation uh, obviously has changed over time, and we know about microscopic things now, whereas in certain plagues in the past they may right, have not right. had knowledge of that. And certainly, but the, the Christian view would stay, would his, the historic view would say, yes, this is part of, uh, the bondage to decay. Something gone wrong, the curse, right? Yeah, okay. That's right. Now, uh, option B, and this is tinged a bit by more uh, modern scientific understanding, so to speak. This is from Daryl uh, Daniel Harrell, editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, and he's going to comment on that Bart uh, quote. With Bart, the inclination is to ascribe to bacteria and viruses and the diseases they cause to Adam's folly. So he's referring to the fall recorded in Genesis 3. But unless God's creation defies every characteristic of biological reality, bacteria and viruses are not bitter fruits of the fall, but among the first fruits of good creation itself. If the science is right, that's always a a good conditional, there would be no life as we know it without them. God makes no mistakes, and bacteria and viruses indeed are uh, mirabilis from the Latin word remarkable or amazing wondrous adjectives used to describe creation and part of the plan from the very start death itself is required for organic life to exist this is true of eternal life too Christ died for the sake of new life it's a weird turn uh, better to view creation not as something perfect gone awry but as something begun as very good and only not yet finished now, do you see the differences in those two I positions? Do. I do. do. You, what are your thoughts, my my good friend? Well, I I appreciate a few things about that. Okay, so before I say what I don't appreciate about yeah. it, uh, <laughs> uh, what I do appreciate about it is um, always a good way of engaging other ideas. Say things you appreciate yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, and and to restate, you yeah, know, really yeah. the things that I think are good are, is the idea that. Um, uh, that that it's not as though physics has. Uh, you know, if we believe that physics and if our physical reality, biological reality, is contingent upon God and His His order, His ordered reality that He sustains all things, he sustains yeah. all things that He created all things, that all things are made with order because God is a God of order, uh, then then we would then then I see I like the I like the idea of seeing some continuity yeah. between the pre fall reality of the created order and the post fall reality. As in 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 other words. Uh, uh, viruses aren't some new thing, 
right? Uh, that that changes the whole physical reality. I think that 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 may be helpful. Also, thinking, uh, um, I I don't like his last sentence there, but there's <laughs> something I do like about it: the idea that um, uh, that that there was uh, potential in Eden. Eden wasn't a closed; it was there was dynamic. Not the design of the in-story of things, but some sort of trajectory. Yeah, right. Even without to, the fall, yes. there, were, there was, a, there was a, a, an expansion that was meant to happen. There was a, uh, a spreading of Eden. There was maybe cultivation of, of created goods and then also of culture. And yeah. So I, I think that's good now. Doing work. and um, Man, there's a lot of continuity, though. There's maybe too much. To, to me, it seems like uh, uh, the idea that, that death is required for organic life to exist. I'd like to know more about what he means by that. Yeah, I think what he means by that, if, you know, those who study like this, this certain unseen video game between bacterium and viruses, that viruses are very, very beneficial uh, to releasing good nutrients into the world and keeping the, the gray goo of bacteria from being a blob on planet earth. Cause that's what that would be if nothing curtailed them. Right. So there seems to be a fine tuned knob almost with the viruses and the bacteria going on. Um, that seems to be in this person, he's a believer, uh, seems to be by part of the original good design. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, I'd want to, I'd want to know more about, you know, uh, is the, is the, is the implication of what he's saying that at the microscopic level at levels beyond below and underneath our, our perceived reality, there's this delicate balance happening. Uh, or, or is he saying that I would have caught a cold? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, like you, know, you would, would have caught coronavirus. Yeah, would Adam have had the if flu? there was no sin? You know, right. Yeah, were there no curse? Because that, that's more appropriate to say. Because a lot of times people misjudge the 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 framework of the Genesis yeah. narrative. Now we'll put aside all the wrangling that happens within Christian scientific circles, because many brilliant Christian scientists that disagree on the age of the earth or or how Genesis should be read precisely. Uh, but there seems to be a change that happens with right. uh, human beings stepping outside of God's con text of the garden and his and of his rule and reign yeah so shifting their contents using their desire and will to do so and then god's response is a curse right right um so when we sing these christmas carols like no more let sin and sorrow flow as far as the curse is found right there's a reversal of the curse that happens with the king right that jesus comes and we see that in his miracles that his miracles aren't laser light shows they are demonstration of the curse of sin the curse of death the the uh, the chaotic nature of nature are now under the rule and reign of God again, and in the right context. That's right. right. And, he, and it's, it, even with the idea of death, uh, uh, it's Isaiah twenty-five that tells us that death is the is the great enemy, the the great kind of shadow that's over all of creation that will be reversed in the end. Yeah, and Romans teaches that the world is subject to the bondage of decay. Right. Right. Um, that that's something that has been subjected to the world as we see it now because of this curse. And so I kind of like a little bit of both these views. Uh, um, and um, I've got a mashup. Yeah. I think it's a good habit or a bad habit. 
that I like to look at views and make babies out of them um, <laughs> that have uh, X-Men hybrid DNA uh, that take a little bit of uh, both the, along the, the way. The mutant hybrid. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so if we were Dr. to have... Dr. Frankenstein if we were is to, building in the... Yeah, if, if we were to take a tertium <laughs> quid, uh, my, my tertium quid, I think my Latin-speaking children could correct me on that, but is there a third way, uh, right? Uh, maybe there is. So, so I tend to like the idea that biological life seems to have these necessity necessities of these cycles of you know bacteria viruses and and virus in fact a, a book that we're going to review is at the end here today by john c lennox uh where is god in a coronavirus world he says this so viruses are in the main beneficial uh, to life but a small proportion of them like covid19 is harmful to humans right and now I've heard this recently from a gentleman, a philosopher um, who's with Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, a man named Vince Vitale. I actually know Vince a little bit, or at least I knew young Vince when he was a soccer player at Princeton when I was with Athletes in Action. And what Vince is trying to say is that part of the good creation gone bad, which he would affirm, is that not only has there been some sort of change in reality by the curse, but also a change in context. In other words, human beings are in a context we were not designed to be in. We were designed to be in relationship with God, good stewards to rule and reign over the creation in harmony. And now we've been taken out of that harmony, both with God and nature. And so there are contexts that, whereas viruses are good in some contexts, some contexts they are bad. Um, and so humanity, uh, if we were made, and I think this is a gut feeling, we want the world to be full of harmony and unity and beauty and uh, have electricity that doesn't burn down my house, right? Um, but when we step out of the context of which creation and ourselves were made to be in, it's kind of like we're uh, out in the hurricane and we could see some beautiful things, right? A hurricane can be a very beautiful thing, but at the same time, in the wrong context, it'll destroy mm, everything mm. we have. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So one of the things that I appreciated about the second view, which I like that you're making a hybrid out of them. Uh, I think I'm on your team here. I want to be. I want to be on the hybrid team. Making uh, hybrid ideologies uh, <laughs> and babies in the shed quarters uh, is. Um, uh, it seems uh, from a even philosophically, it seems that there there must have been bacteria. There must have been. Uh, we had to have immune systems, even if there was no. Even if there was no. Um, potential for death uh, because the the immune system is is a, uh, our body's way of recognizing what's inside and what's what is and what isn't yeah what's me and what's not me what, for, foreign contaminant to yeah. quote uh, <laughs> wally <laughs> yeah. and so and so even without the um uh, uh even without death uh there ha- we, we 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 had to be we had to be fine-tuned and programmed in order to recognize what what a foreign contaminant is what yeah. uh, at least be able to say affirmatively this belongs here this is yeah. inside and i think you know obviously there could be the case that uh, pre-curse uh, and post-curse are completely different physics right uh, we don't know that i don't know that we could know that um, so that would be a big jump to yeah. say that you know back to the beginning of time we can't do good science i don't think that's the case so, so there probably is some continuity through the curse of created reality, but there is consequences in things. And I think when we do science and when we're seeing, hey, 
uh, we can we kind of recognize these things. We recognize disease. We recognize cancer as foreign contaminant or as a, 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 a decaying or a, a, an enemy upon life, right? And, and then you can expand that to death itself, right? That this death, which, you know, obviously death separation from God and from our bodies, um, is the most evidence of the curse that is needs to be defeated, right? That's why death is presented in the Christian world and life view as an enemy and as a foe to be defeated and is vanquished by resurrection. Um, so I think we see this, and um, I don't call myself a scientist. I had a friend do that about himself one time because he had an undergraduate degree in physics. I was like, you can't call yourself a scientist, and in my view, unless you have a PhD or or a advanced degree and you work in the industry yeah. as one. So I can't. I have a degree. I have a degree in science. I'll, I'll say it that way. And I think what the scientific method shows us is that we see things that human beings identify as both very good and very bad in creation, and that intuition is correct. Or as what Dr. John Lennox called, we see the beauty and the barbed wire of creation post-curse, post-reality. So the necessary reality of post-curse biological life and bacteria and virus, this invisible war going on, right, is good but at the same thing we see we see that they too go awry with a humanity that's gone awol from its context of creation and relationship with god so what do we see uh we do see a bondage to decay we can't uh we can't quit dying right things die uh death is not normal uh i have never been to a funeral where it's like oh yeah tuesday um it's an enemy to life we have a need and a longing to even be rescued from it and that takes various places, religious philosophies about reincarnation or resurrection, eternal life, uh, secular ideologies with cryogenics and uploading yourself into a computer that'll live in an asteroid free from the Terminators and nuclear war someday. These are actual things that people are writing and thinking about, longing to be rescued from death. And then the good and the beautiful, and we see balance in nature. We see beauty in nature, but yet we see the terrible uh, and the ugly and maybe the tarantula wasp and crabs getting eaten up alive, chaos in nature. So the view of life, right, the view of Jesus, uh, contains both these things, the beauty and the barbed wire. And I think, just quite frankly, um, you know, I'm not a Christian. You're not a Christian because we were born into it. Right. Right. It's not a default position for us. We're like, oh, well, you know, mom's a Christian. Maybe I'll be a Christian. That's not our story. Um, so when we see this uh, good and bad, beautiful and ugly, you can see why Eastern philosophies come up with ideas like yin and yang. Yeah, the, you know, the balance yeah. you know, of, of light and dark. and Yeah, yeah Yoda, Yoda teaches it. it must be right, right? Yeah. Um, or that karma, you know, you do some good in this world, you come back in another life and you get a better next life and you continue that till you escape this endless cycle of birth and rebirth until you're subsumed into the oneness of all things. Yeah. Because the thing with, yeah. with those sorts of um, Eastern worldviews, uh, uh, religious and philosophical worldviews is, uh, is they, they both give us a kind of framework for understanding, which we, which we, which we want morality, good and bad. Yep. yep. And then, but they also, they do seem to cohere with our, uh, our lived experiences. So, um, you know, the idea of karma, like, 
It doesn't always work out, <laughs> but often you want it to kind of be true. You, you want it to be true. And then yeah. sometimes it is, it is enough for you to go, you know, I think there yeah. might be some truth to, to that idea, right? It, yeah. There's a coherence and even the, the, the kind of yin and yang, the light and dark, the, yeah. you know, things aren't all good and they're not all bad. And, and, and it does cohere some with my kind of, uh, Existential, you know, experience existential experience of reality. Of, yep. Yeah, yeah. Until you think about it, right? Yeah. Because when you think about it, there there are conditions in the world where, hey, maybe we need a little more evil. Like, do you need the Sith right, to balance right. the Force? Uh, couldn't you imagine a moral universe where the Sith is just defeated, destroyed, and good ultimately triumphs? What's wrong with that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, people, why do people think karma's a bitch, right? Um why do we see it as such a well it's oh it's going to get you in the end you do bad yeah, stuff because imagine if stuff. we all actually got what we what deserved. deserved yeah or you do see things in the world that seem a little bit bad happening yeah. to yeah man, that's a good guy why is he getting the yeah you know why is he getting laid off from work uh, um and now if you take karma to its logical conclusion every bad that guy gets was earned by him if not in this life or in a previous life right and so it's right. all your fault and hence, you it naturally, uh, naturally from that worldview, kind of emerged something like the caste system, where certain people deserve to be in their low station in life, or or you deserve to die of that because you did something bad in a form of life. Karma is a unfriendly female dog, so to speak, and so um, it's a it's a millstone around the necks of people yeah. because in your certain life, um, hey, I guess I just deserve all this. You know, and how do you overcome injustice? How do you overcome impression? How do you improve things? How do you want evil vanquished? Um, I don't want a light and dark side balanced in the end. Um, I want love, goodness, truth, and beauty, right, to triumph in the end, right. But but Reed does does the the kind of um, secular, uh, ultra modern worldview offer anything better? In your opinion, well, I, I mean, that's kind of the maybe the worldview I grew up with, right. Um, and uh, Western philosophy or secular post-Christendom Western philosophy uh, has a really, really hard time answering what they would say is the problem of evil. Right. Um, it's not uncommon for you know, secular thinkers to levy against uh, theistic or Christian thinkers or Muslim thinkers or Jewish thinkers who believe in God to levy against how can you believe in God with viruses or with evil, with all this stuff. But the problem there is that they've lost all capability to say something is objectively evil. They can say they don't like it. I don't like this. or um, But it's not wrong. It just is. There's just space, time, matter, and energy evolving in ever complex configurations, decay and death. Um, what is right and wrong? Well, Richard Dawkins was probably one of the most honest atheists of the of, of our era who said, no, we're just dancing to our DNA, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's just chaos in the end. Yeah, it's sex and reproduction yeah. um, and uh, law of the jungle. That's it. Um, there's no answer whatsoever to why viruses. And, and, that, or, and that, that's kind of what I was getting at with. Or why we don't like viruses. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what I was trying to get at with the idea of the, the at least in the in the kind of uh, maybe traditional Eastern philosophies, there's a um, coherence with our existential, our, our lived experience. Uh, but to ascribe meaningless, meaningless, to ascribe yeah. chaos, uh you know, space dust until we just, you know, yeah. until we back to space dust and that's the end. 
um, doesn't cohere with uh, with our uh, with our intuitions, intuitions yeah. with our our sense of the way things ought to be. Yeah, and so what happens in Western civilization right now is you have a a, a select group of honest thinkers. Uh, that are highly skeptical, uh, and they have to kind of be skeptics of morality, and, they, and most atheistic thinkers are. You know, there are some recent ones like Sam Harris, who's a neuroscientist who wrote um, uh, a letter to Christian Nation, you know, after nine eleven, uh, you know, why you believe in God. He's trying to find transcendent morality, even transcendent things through meditation uh, and through naturalism, and even objective morality. I think his project's an ultimate disaster, uh, but. There's a small group of honest people who say, yeah, there's no up or down. It's just you know preference. We don't like this, so we have to deal with it. Most Western uh, folks are living in a post-Christendom that is kind of has it's haunted by a Christian past yeah. that has yeah. a view of good and bad, um, but yet is consumeristic and individualistic, trying to create experiences to make us happy. And we tend to call things bad that don't make us happy, or we feel are you know wrong, and so. It's kind of a crazy thing to see now with coronavirus, which strips people of you know their kind of security blankets, so to speak, strips all of us of comforts that we've accrued to ourselves. Um, so that in a post Christendom consumer individualist culture, uh, we think, well, we got to get back to being happy, or you know, get back to shopping. Right? This is where people are fighting on the left and right about how, who values life more, and oh, you want to kill eighty year olds so you can go shopping or get the the economy going, which is, you know, simplistic political rhetoric that helps nobody. Um, so Eastern philosophy, you know, has has a tried a treatment of this, but uh, the idea of karma, I think, is a millstone around our neck and an unjust in an ultimate sense. You know, Western post-secular Western thinkers, they're saying, hey, you know, we don't like this, but we got to be smart and, you know, get the doctors to fix everything and maybe I'll upload my brain. Um, consumeristic individualist cultures pits us against one another in this war that's about resources and politics uh, that then gives a rise to statist religions, right, uh, like communism or uh, hyper, you know, uh, consumerism that says, hey, the state is the savior or the market is the savior mm. from all these things. But our question is, what is what is the good savior? What is the answer to sin and death and us out of context with God and nature? Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, gives, <laughs> I find, a beautiful answer to the chaos that we see. You know, Reed, can you can you... Go into that a little bit for me. So, so how is how is it that the gospel of Jesus uh, answers these questions? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the beautiful thing about the things that Jesus taught us is that he he teaches us that we're meant for someone. We're meant okay. for this relationship in creation with God, and we sense this alienation from God and our natural world because of this stepping out of that relationship and turning aside from God because of sin. And the curse because of sin is the world that we now live in. And so Jesus, when he came teaching and preaching, he did many things. He healed people as a sign of a different rule and reign in kingdom. Uh, he told— I, I like the way you put that earlier. It's not just a laser beam show. That's right. That's right. Jesus, do some miracles so we think you're cool. Yeah, it's not just a— No, yeah. man. Yeah. it's a, These kind of things are demonstrations. Yeah, they're signposts. They're demonstrations. Yeah, of a restored— uh, Yeah. 
and restoring reality, right? That, uh, that disease can be overcome, that death can be overcome. The chaos of nature can't, the wind and the waves, so to speak, can't obey. The demonic realm, the manifestations of evil that come in the world through spiritual realities and through human beings, those things can be overcome. That alienation with God and others, we can be forgiven, restored, back to a family, which every human being intuitively understands. And this is what Jesus came to do, forgive our sins, bring us back into family, bring us back into the context of unity with God and creation, so that even in a world that's broken and fallen now, we see the inbreaking of the future, which is described by the revelation of Jesus Christ in the latter chapters of the Bible as where no more death, no more sin, people will be with God again, and this great restoration will be completed by someone who is rightly called a king. Mm. Yeah, so so what you're describing as I'm listening, it it, it satisfies for me, uh, and this is why I, I, I think it's compelling. Um, I think it's true and, and it's compelling, but it's at, it, it, it hits at why, that, what this, whether, to quote yeah. you, whether this sense of alienation, yeah. uh, this, this relational disconnect, this sense of um, uh, all is not right between me and my maker, and then, and then, and then derivatively between me and my neighbor, yeah. uh, really we have a satisfying answer for that. Not just an answer, but a satisfying solution, but also the question of what about all this? Yeah. What about... Yeah. <laughs> what about what's wrong with the what's what about what's right with the world and what's wrong with the world? The um what what did, with the, the barbed wire the and the beauty and the, the barbed barb wire. wire. Yeah. What of what of the what of the order and the chaos? What of all the, what of the darkness and the light? And uh and we see in the gospel the the, the answer to that. That's right. Uh, both what went wrong, yeah. uh, why it is the way it is now and the hope that we have because the announcement of the king, the king has come, the the kingdom has not just been. We don't just get the laser beam show. Right. We get little. We get little inbreakings of the kingdom that, yeah. that help us to hope for one yeah. day. And one day, messages from back. a far off country of a land coming that's pristine and beautiful. Yeah. That the artistry of the creator will hold fast, and the barbed wire of the brokenness will be mm. utterly released. In fact, the Book of Romans says that we will be liberated from the bondage to decay ourselves. And all the bacterial wars and viruses that sometimes and, get out of context. Yeah, right? and the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah. We'll and still have bacteria. That's right, probably. But it's, I won't get a cold. Hopefully not too many. And yeah, don't leave your chicken yeah. out on what well, we eat chicken. I don't know. I want to do a, a fun <laughs> a fun little uh fun fun little deal if we can bring back our friend um, Michael Bond. So right back. It's time. It's time for review. It's time for, for reviewish books and tech and movies and things. But don't care enough to write anything. It's not a review. We're not that into it. So sit right down. Well, that uh, unbelievably talented lyric writing that uh, is pathetic, actually, that I wrote that song to ask Michael to sing. He sings it well, but there's a promise that we, we, we talk books and text and movies, but don't care enough to write anything. I have to go back on that promise because I did, Ooh, I did write something. Because now you're writing, man. Yeah, I wrote a review, a review of this book that we want to recommend today called Where is God in a Coronavirus World by John C. Lennox. John Lennox is Professor Emeritus of Mathematics, University of Oxford, um, spooky smart. He's Irish, so I, you know I'm I'm Irish. You're I get offended. Fan, yeah. I get I get I get offended when people call white churches Anglo churches because I'm, I'm Irish. Man, I'm not Anglo. They're, those We're are, a Celtic. Those church. are the, the oppressor. <laughs> those are the oppressor, man. Come on, you know um, uh, Linux. Um, 
I just learned was one of the last uh, one of the last classes with C.S. Lewis. Wow! I think he was he was there as a student. Wow! Sitting under yeah. Well, there's there's some right dependence in this book on Lewis because Lewis lived through global pandemic, two world wars, and spoke a lot about uh, the realities that we face in that. So this is a great book. Lennox is kind of uh, he's spooky smart because he's a mathematician. I think mathematicians are some of the smartest people in, uh, in, that I've ever met. Um, but he's also kind of fatherly. He feels very pastoral. So this. This little book, I think it's 62 pages, but it has, I think, 40-something footnotes, so it's well-documented, 46, 46 footnotes. Um, wonderful book. This is something I bought 10 of them. I've given away half, well, a little about half of those already. About to give another um, one away. About to give another one away. <laughs> I've ordered 25 more. I'm giving Ooh. away to friends, Christian, non-Christians, over the next coming months because I think it hits these questions Man, if you want a copy, well. you just got to email Reed. Yeah, Don't email us, info at gospelunderground.org. <laughs> we will take care of you. So reviewish, short, accessible, deep, but approachable. Um, and he said this. This is the end of the book, and I'll just read this to close our podcast today. He said, in the meantime, uh, living through this, world that's uh you know Kurt beauty and barbed wire in the meantime i shall follow the advice of the great 19th century preacher charles Haddon spurgeon god is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken and when we cannot trace his hand we must trust his heart lennox writes i hope that reading this has persuaded you to do just that or at least has shown you that the god who wore a crown of thorns is worth some more of your time and thought i hope that you will investigate more fully whether he might indeed be the one who can give hope and peace whatever the months and years ahead may bring mm, that's good i'll put this in the show notes jesse the link to the review I did of that book from our website. Thank you guys for joining us today. We're glad to be back. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. New reviews go up all, all the time. Even my son reviewist, reviewist us there on iTunes. Send your comments, feedback, or questions. And no, I do not tell my kids to review our podcast. He did that on his own. Send your comments feedbacks or questions that you might want us to take up here on the underground or if you want a free book i'll send it to you info at gospelunderground.org we are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture we hope to see you out there peace peace